I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to I Like It Spooky Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And I'm kind of like Silent Bob, but from a parallel universe. So, like, not silent? <laughs> well, no, yeah, exactly. You're loud, Robert. <laughs> yes, yeah, loud, Robert. Silent Bob, you know, he never spoke. So when he said something, it was very you know profound. But me, I just nonstop talk all the time. But my silence is prolific. You talk all the time is an understatement. Just wait till y'all meet this guy. Someone's got to pick up the slack. Good point. We thank you for that. Hey, we all play our part. Hey, is there anything going on in the news today? Well, I'm so glad you asked. There actually is. Evan Peters of American Horror Story fame, other stuff, uh, X-Men, different things. He is going to be in Netflix's new series that returns. uh, That's Dahmer. It's called Dahmer. So, of course, about Jeffrey Dahmer. I was reading, doesn't say when it's going to come out, but it's a 10 series episode, limited series, and it's going to span like the 60s to the 90s for Dahmer. So I guess anytime growing up through, you know, his heinous actions and all that stuff, I'm, I'm super excited for this. I like Evan Peters. He was in a show called Mayor of Easttown, and he was great in that show. Of course, American Horror Story, and I think he's going to knock this Dahmer character out of the water it's going to be great we referenced that in the last episode when we covered i madman and we were talking about keanu reeves playing hh holmes on a new hulu hulu series or tv series coming to hulu and you know we talked about how evan peters played hh holmes in american horror story now he, he gets to play another serial killer that's i tell you melissa and i were just talking about him on the way home before we sat down to record right now we were coming back from a, a one-day pop-up event Livonia, Michigan, Wicked Bazaar. We were listening to the I Madman episode. So we started, she said, yeah, she goes, Evan Peters is like one of the most gifted actors, you know, in that generation to come out. So it's going to be great to see him in action again as a psycho madman. Yeah, it's supposed to come out sometime this year. So, I mean, we don't have that much time left in the year. So we got like a little teaser part of trailer thing for it. Hopefully we'll get some more information soon. I'm, I'm going to be excited for it. Plus, I think I like it's a series. Just kind of gives you something... Gives it a lot of time for them to go in deep on this character. I haven't seen and I haven't looked, but has there been any word of him reprising or doing any roles on the upcoming, uh, I don't even know what number it is now, but the, the new American Horror Story season? I honestly haven't looked. I haven't heard anything about it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen anything either. Hmm. That Jeffrey Dahmer story is rough. I don't know if you guys have watched anything in the past about, I mean, I think we all kind of have, but when the witness statements are going on at the end of the, his trial and the family members are going up and there's one lady just every time I see it, it just like rips your heart out. She's screaming at him. Why'd you kill my family? And it's just a tough watch. And some of the stuff that happened during his time and he was killing people and how the police would return people to him that he'd talk them into, Oh, that's my lover. That's my friend. And you're just like, what in the fuck was going on? It'll be interesting to see like that and get that story behind that. Hopefully they keep it straight to what the story was as, as well as they can. I mean, anybody that had anything to do with it, Jeffrey Dahmer's dead and everybody he murdered is dead have accounts from witnesses and stuff. I don't know that there was a lot of people that witnessed a lot of the stuff that he did. 
it'll be it'll be a rough watch, I think, for anybody though. Yeah, of course it's real life, so I mean it's going to be touchy. Yeah, we watched. Uh, I just killed my dad the other day, and that was a. I don't know if you guys have watched that, but that was a. You're like shaking your head. You're like, what is going on here? Just they. You can't make this stuff up. We watch a movie. We watched I Madman and talked about it on this last episode, and you're like, oh, that was creepy. There's nothing like the Jeffrey Dahmer case or anything. Nobody writes stuff like this. You know, as many great directors and authors, most people can't write better than what's real and what really has happened. Well, there's that old saying that, you know, art imitates life and life imitates art. All right, what else you guys got? So I was uh, checking out the news. There's a lot of killer clowns, some outer space stuff floating around. You know, they've got some exclusive toys back at Spirit Halloween right now. There was just a short trailer um, for them because they're going to be featured at um, is it Universal Hollywood Horror Nights, I think down in Florida. And then this came along. Killer Clowns from Outer Space Game invades consoles and PC in 2023. And if you search it up, I found this on bloodydisgusting.com, but I'm sure you know if you Google search it, you can find it. <clears throat> There's a trailer along with it also. It says, uh, in fact, you can yeah head over to the official site to sign up for the beta run of this. So I don't have an official site um, address to to give you to go to. So you have to find it on Google. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the game. You can sign up now and you'll be able to play the beta. And obviously it's based on the iconic 80s film and in the battle between Killer Clowns and citizens of Crescent Cove, uh, you're going to team up to use your wits to harvest humans or save them from the alien invasion. So it sounds like you're going to be able to play clowns or survivors. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. I signed up for the beta Hopefully they send me a message saying I got approved and I can do it. I don't know when that's going to start, but they let you choose what console that you want to do it on, or if you want to do it through stream, like on the PC, but I just signed up through my PlayStation. So hopefully they'll do a beta for that and I want to play it. I'm excited. I wonder if it's going to be playable then on multiple platforms, kind of like, uh, I think Evil Dead, the game that just came out. You know, it wasn't like that on Friday the 13th, the game, but when Evil Dead came out. You know, you could be playing on the PlayStation 4 and be playing someone on the Nintendo Switch. I hope so. That would be fun. I hope it. What was the site where you signed up for the beta? Was it killerclownsthegame.com? I don't even remember. I clicked on a link that somebody gave me or that I was reading on an article. Probably the same one I'm looking at here from bloodydisgusting.com. Probably so. And then I think somewhere towards the bottom, maybe it showed a link or... But I clicked on something and it just asked me a few questions. But I mean, it's it's out there. Are you more excited to play as the clowns or the people? Clowns. Clowns. But like on Friday the 13th, it was fun playing as Jason at first. And then that got old kind of quick. So then I loved playing as the counselors. So maybe it'll be that way this time. But oh, the clowns would be fun. That's true. With Friday the 13th, it was kind of a split. Yeah, I, I didn't always have to play as one or the other. It was, it was fun to switch it up. So it could be the game, the same with this. I'm also curious... Uh, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game is going to be coming out soon. If I'm correct, I think that's, it's a four player and it's three killers and one survivor. They, they kind of switched it to the formula that we're used to. Who, who would want to be the survivor in that scenario? You got three <laughs> people, you know, coming to kill you. If I'm correct, I think I am. They got to have some advantages to make it worth the while to play. I mean, clowns, I mean, chainsaw maniacs, and I mean, a real quick blurb. A little follow-up to a story that we covered on the last episode, I Madman, and that is Sean Cunningham is teasing even more 
that we're going to see a new Friday the 13th film in the franchise. So that could mean more for the game. So we get to play as clowns, chainsaw maniacs, and masked madman. Who can ask for anything more? Oh, and the Evil Dead game if you want to play Fortnite. Now, do you think this leads eventually to a Nightmare on Elm Street game or a Halloween game? I mean, if these games do well, it seems like The Quarry, that's another horror-themed game, is doing well. Yeah, that text chainsaw, I saw the trailer for it, and it was the three... It was Leatherface and the hitchhiker and maybe the grandpa and then the lady, the survivor. And I was like, that doesn't really seem fair. You almost feel like it would have to be more of the people from the van would have to be on her team to make it an interesting game. I would guess that they probably beef up the stats of the person who's, you know, whoever the survivor is. They have to be more able than the killers, you would think. The cards already, the deck's already stacked against you. But yeah, I absolutely do think that this, it's... You know, like we talk about with um, when we talk about film budgets when we're discussing movies, money talks. And so when these people see that that there is money out there to be had in all of these horror franchise games, that's what the the game uh, Dead by Daylight. I played it a little bit. I didn't really care for it, but it's cool because they always they have Michael Myers, they had Ghostface, they I think I don't know if they had, I think they had Pinhead. You know, they bring all these characters and it makes you want to go play so you can be that person. Yeah, they had Jigsaw there for a while. It was like 60 bucks for the game, and I think even at one point it was like 30 bucks. But then to buy all the characters, it was like $100, and I'm just like, I don't want to spend $130 a game just so I can play as these other characters every couple hours. Because you know, you, you would take turns being the killer and being the survivors. Speaking of Jigsaw, spoiler alert, Jigsaw can be seen in the movie that we're going to discuss in a little bit. So here's some here's some news for the kiddos here. Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo trailer drop. New movie unleashes iconic villains this Halloween. So it says spooky costumes, delicious candy, and meddling kids come together for the Halloween season in Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, a brand new animated Scooby-Doo adventure. Coming to digital on October 4th and DVD on October 10th. Whoa, whoa, Reggie! Standard Scooby-Doo, they catch the villain and they think they're in the clear and then some doppelgangers come and um, start causing all kinds of mischief. And this is a perfect, perfect time for me. I mean, Hocus Pocus 2 is dropping at the end of September and then this new Scooby-Doo. Finley and I'll have a, a month full of stuff to watch because I've seen Zombies 1, 2, and 3 on Disney+. Plus. 15 times in the last week so i'm ready for something new <laughs> like like zoinks man that's like way too many times to watch zombies cruising through the article and i saw that matthew lillard is actually doing shaggy for the movie so i was like oh that's cool oh good some of the other names i didn't recognize but i'm sure they're very talented voice actors that have done work with the scooby-doo franchise in the past so scooby-doo's always a good time finn and i sit and watch the old episodes and she kind of leans towards the ones with scrappy-doo i kind of like the ones with the stooges and uh you know some of the older actors and actresses that used to appear on scooby-doo those were always kind of my favorites but can't go wrong with scooby-doo now did it say is it a full-length feature yeah yep like a full movie mm. okay very cool i've heard i've heard rumblings and i don't know if it's fake news or not i haven't seen anything that that i would count on but it looked like there there's talks about making a scooby a new live action scooby-doo movie you know with with freddie prince and i don't know if matthew literally it was gonna be like return to skull island or something like that but they want to make it r-rated which at first you're like ooh, that'd be interesting i want to see it but the, the more i thought about it i hope they don't man 
let's leave Scooby and the gang as they are. We can <laughs> fantasize about them, you know, being stoned <laughs> or getting with each other or doing whatever. Let's let's leave them for kids as it is. That's where my mind went. Velma and Daphne. George, <laughs> Jeepers, Jinkies. <laughs> All right. That's going to be a cool, that's going to be a cool place to put in like a Jinkies audio or something like that, or a little clip or like the, the music from the show. Like, Jason's, that's, Jason's like <laughs> rated X. We're not, he said rated R, not rated X, Jason. <laughs> yeah, not. <laughs> no, I, I like a little left to the imagination. So R is okay. It sounds to me like, uh, like Jason's gonna need some money for I don't know legal counsel sometime in the near future, but uh, let's let's check in with Jason and see what's going on with our money here with the financial report. Oh boy, it's been a good couple of weeks. I've I've picked up some fun stuff, new collectibles down here. I'm struggling for. I'm I'm heckling Jason right now. I'm holding up my list, going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide. I have a bunch of stuff on my list, and I'm trying to decide if I should just save some of it for future in case I don't have a lot. You know. No. Let's let's we'll talk about you know some of the stuff though. But my problem is now is like it's not why am I so poor? Is like where the hell am I going to put this stuff? I love posters. I am running out of space on the walls. I showed the guys I got a new poster. Um, Shaun of the Dead, one of my favorite horror comedies, like actual horror comedies. Uh, They had a release on Vice Press. Uh, Juan Ramos, he put out this print. It's an 18 by 36 size print, limited to 250. I think it's still available. Uh, I don't know why it's not selling out quick. I guess it's not just one of the big releases. Not everybody cares about Shaun of the Dead like they do Halloween. But I think the print is freaking awesome. So I'll have to share that with you guys. I'll share a link where you guys can pick it up if it's still available. But that one's fun. I went and I went today to pick out a frame or I got a frame for it, but then I couldn't find the exact size. So I got a mat to put behind it. And Brian and Tiffany helped me out, pick a color for it. And I went with the red behind it and it pops. It looks so good. Also got a House of a Thousand Corpses Fright Rag shirt. I love Fright Rags. They had a clearance and they had the shirt for like 12 bucks. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have any uh, House of a Thousand Corpses shirt. So I grabbed that. Then I wore it the other day, like right when I got it. And then we went outside and we were like cleaning the house. I was spraying some stuff on the house and I'm like, oh my God, this stuff smells like bleach. (laughs) And I'm wearing my brand new black shirt. I, I didn't see any like stains on it or bleach marks or anything. So hopefully not, but might be a one and done shirt. Same thing. I got something that Clint's going to also talk about probably. I picked up a Halloween bobblehead from Hot Topic. It's pretty freaking awesome. It shows Michael uh, stabbed Bob to the cabinets or whatever he stabs him to, and he's hanging there. But it's just, that's a fun way to do a bobblehead. It's only Michael is the part that's the bobblehead. You know what I like about that is there's a, a little pool of blood at the bottom too. Nice little detail to that toy. So I wish that this had come out before we went to flashback because that would have been awesome to have John Michael Graham sign it. Like, oh, dang it. But you got to open it to have him sign the actual figure. That would be hard for Clint, but eh, not so much for me. But yeah, so that came in. That was awesome. I love that. Got it in my case now. Opened up so I can actually enjoy it. That's pretty much what I got. What about you guys? Well, hold hold on real quick because I I have a suggestion. Um, And this uh, the serious serious suggestion. What if you continue 
your collection in the guest house. Have you thought about that? That's kind of, we try to make that like a sports bar theme. So we really don't have horror stuff out there. That's, that's for your, that's for your uh, sports cards and rap albums podcast, that area out there. That's a good idea though. I need all that space, you know, you know, Lewis and Jocelyn that used to be on here with us and, um, they have a newer apartment here in the quad cities now. And when you walk into their right in their front door, they have huge walls. It's like a two, two or three story townhouse. They have huge walls that go up. And right when I walked in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, all this room for posters. (laughs) I was so jealous. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to do some reorganizing down here to figure out where to put some more stuff. I see some ceiling space above your head right now. It's a good call, man. I could get those to stick. It was a serious suggestion, but it is kind of lame because then you got to always kind of lay back to, but I mean, wait, no, wait, hold on. I've got the best idea. Why didn't I think of this in the first place? You start weeding out some of your stuff. What? Sending it my way, baby. Yeah. I've got some blank. I've got some blank walls for you, for your stuff anyway. Yeah. Not going to happen, buddy. At least now, maybe in the future, maybe when I'm like really poor, something comes out, do a little negotiating, but no, not right now. I have a feeling I'm going to have an inflated price. (laughs) Yep. Charge your friends more. Uh, Yeah. Brian, you got some room in the walls behind you. What have you picked up? Well, I haven't really grabbed anything, but I was thinking about your idea of the walls, ceiling. You like the Sistine Chapel of Horror. You like people walk in. There we go. Without, well, I was going to say without like the naked people and penises and stuff. It probably would be naked people and penises. So put it up there. Yep. It's artwork. Sounds like an R-rated Scooby-Doo poster to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking price quotes from any artists out there. So if anybody's a good artist, hit me up. I got some ideas. No, don't really. I'm poor because I buy other shit. So I haven't really bought much. About the only thing I bought is, I'll show you. I bought a Godzilla. A Godzilla 19. It's a 65th anniversary set. I got it at Target. It was on clearance. And it's got the little... I think they're maybe two inch tall little Godzilla people in it. It's, this one has Mecha Godzilla, Godzilla, Mothra, Destroya, uh, King Ghidorah, and Gigon. Well, it was Finley's birthday not too long ago, and she was like, I want your little Godzillas. And I'm like, I'm not opening that. That's mine. So I was able to go on Amazon and get her her own little ones. They didn't come in a box, but I got Gigon, Destroya, Godzilla, Mothra. And she got this little cool one, and I had to ask my buddy Brian Clark who it was because I figured I could look it up on the internet, or I could just ask him because he's going to know. And it's uh, Muto. It's from a legendary Godzilla. So it's one that I don't have. I don't know if it's actually one of the Bandai ones, but it's kind of cool. And I'll, I figured I would do a video on both of these on the YouTube channel coming up here in the next couple weeks and just kind of show them off because I love Godzilla and so does Finley. It's something fun to share, and they're just cool little toys. Easy to display. That Mudo, I think it was you said that you just showed, that almost looks like one of the aliens from Alien. I was thinking um, Cloverfield is kind of what it reminded me of, the Cloverfield monster. But yeah, it's from a maybe one of the Godzilla, it's Godzilla Legendary. I can't remember if he said it was animated or if it's not, but it's one of the monsters that evolves in the movie and fights Godzilla. It's kind of cool. And they're just cool little, I mean, Bandai toys. I think it was like 14 bucks for five of them on Amazon. And I get to keep mine closed and down on the shelf. Nice. The way it should be. And then when she gets tired of them. I can have them. Yeah. Yep. 
I have some Vinegar Syndrome movies on the way. Those will be coming Monday, it looks like. They just had a big sale, plus I'm a subscriber. And I subscribe to the Terrorvision Record Club. So for the next year, I'll be getting records every couple, maybe every other month, every couple months. So that'll be something I'll be sharing. Sounds like the first one I'll get is possibly Neon Maniacs. Don't know if anybody knows that movie. I know a friend of mine, Insane Mike, that's from the PFPN, the podcast network. He's a huge fan. So I told him, I was like, you like this movie? And he's like, I fucking love that movie. I fucking love the music. I was like, well, if I get the record, I'm going to have to show it to you so you can be jealous. That'd be fun. That's all I really picked up. So first off, I'm not the biggest Godzilla fan. That that set, I can't wait to actually see a better picture of it like on social media so I can zoom in and stuff. I like that. That's a cool little box set. And second, with, with the TerraVision stuff, is that like their pick or do they have a catalog? Is it all horror related or because neon neon's kind of on the, the outside? Well, I picked up Strange Behavior at Flashback, so that's horror related. They had May. I don't know if you've seen that movie. That's kind of horror related. Uh, Killing Spree was another one that they just did not too long ago. And when I was at Flashback, I asked the guy, I was like, how did you do Killing Spree and not do Truth or Dare or Critical Consequence? And he's like, just wait. So I'm like, well, if they're going to do that, I love that movie, even though it's awful. Yeah, they do all, it's whatever they're coming out with, kind of like Vinegar Syndrome does in the next year. So you get, you get a ton of stuff. You get six records. You get a pressing. So they do like a test pressing to make sure the sound and everything is good on the record before they color it and release it because a lot of their releases are colored vinyls. And they're all hand numbered. So you get a test pressing. So you get seven records in a year, a t-shirt, a tote bag, a enamel pin, thing that goes on top of your record player so your records don't scratch. I don't remember what it's called. What's it called, Jason? A mat. Yeah, Matt, you get a Matt. So you get a ton of stuff for 200 bucks. I mean, and I asked, I joined the Terravision group and I asked, I was just like, what do you guys think? Is it worth it? And every person was like, this is my fifth year. This is my third year. This is the best subscription I've ever had. Like not one person had anything negative to say, which I mean, you're in the Terravision fan group. They're probably not. But when people are subscribing four or five years in a row, like, that means something they're doing, they're doing well. But they're doing stuff that Fire in the Sky was another one that they did. So it's going to be stuff that's not mainstream, you know, it's kind of mainstream, that's not getting released from those other companies. Plus they're uh, the exclusive cover colors, right? So they'll be different from the normal ones. Yep. When I did that video on YouTube, I don't know if you watched it, Clint, or not. Most records come in like a paper sleeve or some kind of sleeve. Theirs comes in a paper sleeve, but on the one side, it's like the logo for the front of the movie, like the DVD box or the poster. On the back of the sleeve that's in the gatefold is like all of the other posters from all over the world. So there was like a picture of the Japanese poster, picture of the Italian poster, just cool stuff like that kind of sets them apart for me and makes it cooler. I'm excited. I mean, I'm super excited. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We'll just move on and... Oh, wait. No, wait. All right. We're, we're going to let Clint go. <laughs> well, I had to rest my voice because it's a long list. Settle in. Buckle in. Send me some money. Send me to financial classes. 
Uh, you know, I went on a spree, and I shouldn't have. We're, we're just coming off flashback. We said the word flashback nine gajillion times. Just coming off flashback, and I was like, okay, spend a ton of money there. I need to slow down. But all this stuff just, uh, and thanks to some of it's uh, thanks to Jason. I think he's trying to break me. Here we go. So um, I've talked before about the uh, the Kickstarter My Bloody Valentine game, which I've already purchased, but they keep coming out with these cool add-ons. And they recently announced that they are coming out with a My Bloody Valentine novel, and it's autographed by George, I can never pronounce anybody's last name. How do you say his last name? Mihalka, the director of the original 1981 My Bloody Valentine. So it's going to be autographed by him. The first edition, which is the only one I believe that's going to be autographed by him, it has an extra chapter, and it has a foreword written by him, and the cover art is by Ghoulish Gary Poland. So I got one. <laughs> And then they have another add-on also, which is they're doing a My Bloody Valentine poster of artwork from the game, and that is going to be signed by George also. So I, I clicked to have that added on to my Kickstarter as well. Everything's promised to be here uh, this coming February 2023. I also got what Jason has, and that is my PJ Souls action figure, which I talked about on the last episode. Uh, it showed up. So pretty happy about that. It's not signed like Jason's and it's not in the cool extra clamshell case like Jason's. But God damn it, I have it. And it's here on my wall. Jason seems to be a running theme in my list because we get to bring his name up again on this item. And that is Jason sent me a link to the silent for a Silent Night, Deadly Night soundtrack um, on vinyl from 1984 Publishing. Again, this has cover art from Ghoulish Gary Poland. I have the, uh, I've talked about it before, but I've got the 18 by 24 print with the same artwork. This was a steal. I think with shipping, it was, it was, it was under 30 bucks, 23 bucks, 25 bucks, something like that. Again, I'm not the biggest vinyl collector, but it had film strips in there with like three or four cells on, I think it was two different strips. And on the back side of the album cover, it had this really cool Gary Poland Iris Toys artwork. And I believe there's some additional artwork inside as well. I'll never know because I'm not going to open the fucking thing. What? No, siree. Oh, I was excited. I thought you were going to tell me what your film strips were. Oh, uh, you have some, right? Did you, didn't you get one? Yeah. And I looked at them and they're cool. They're probably the same. They're probably all the same. No. You don't think so? No, I bet they just clipped everything from... We should take up like a collection and maybe I'll buy another one and then I'll open that one and see. Just open it. How are you going to listen to it? I'm not going to. I told you, like in the last episode we talked about, I said you, you buy one and then you stream it somewhere. The vinyl industry has my money. I have supported them and then I'll stream it somewhere for free. I need everybody to peer pressure Clint. Let him know that that needs to breathe, needs opened. Thank God I don't have a Twitter account or anything. It'd be blown up going, free the vinyl. Like, free the vinyl. So, uh, moving on. Holy shit, Jason has something to do with this one also. Yay. What is going on here? I also got the Hot Topic Halloween bobblehead that he was talking about. The running joke. I'm not going to take it out of the box. I did open the top flap to see what was going on because it was like a re reclosable flap, and it's encased in styrofoam inside. So it's not like you know a normal action figure where it's in a clamshell or you can see it. What's got me about this is this is a box collector's fucking nightmare. On the face side of the each of the face side, front and back of the box, it's not the toy. It's like some random picture of Michael Myers. It's on the edges of the box where you see the bobblehead toy. And on one edge, there's like all this writing about made in Taiwan or whatever, blah, 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 blah. 
so you can't show that. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to properly, you know, uh, display this and not have it look funky. That's a whole other story. My spirit Halloween killer clowns, popcorn babies that I've been talking about. Uh, Tad Good recently shared a link with me a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, that they were available on Spirit Halloween site. I hopped right on there and ordered one. If you've heard me talk about them before, I've talked about their poor box design and how whenever I find one or, you know, Jason, there's Jason's name again in my collectibles. What's going on here? Cue the X-Files music. Anyway, um, the one that he found for me, the box was all busted up. So I, I ordered one. I kind of crossed my fingers, hope for the best. I did a little unboxing video on my uh, on one of my Facebooks there, and it doesn't come with the display packaging. It's just encased in styrofoam. Uh, it was well packaged. The, the piece itself wasn't damaged, but no display box. Back to the store it goes. Uh, I've talked about this before, too, but my thing and my Zombo action figures ordered up or uh, showed up that we ordered from the, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con. And two more things, and then I'm done. And that is, I got this a while ago from Distinctive Dummies, but from the movie Dead Silence, I have a two-pack, and it shows it uh, showcases Mary Shaw, Billy, which if you've seen the movie, is her main dummy, he, the dummy that spins, you know, because she was a ventriloquist. Billy was the one who was showcased throughout the majority of the movie. So, And last but not least, like I said, uh, prior to recording as we speak, I was at a one-day event in Livonia, Michigan. Our friends that I've talked about before from Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium. God, that's such a big name. Ted, Heather, shorten the fucking name. I love you guys. They um, gifted me with the, from Spirit Halloween, the acid pie from, from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They went to the store. Ted is a collector also. And Heather gets stuff too. She likes to get things autographed and whatnot. They picked up two and uh, they gave me one. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's nice of them. So let's see. That's that's everything. Um, it sounds to me like mainly because of Jason. I'm really poor. Not Ted and Heather. Ted and Heather said, here, have this. <laughs> but Jason said, here, go buy this stuff. Yep. Jason's not as nice. But I will share those links of the cool shit. Yes, he will. It's like uh, drugs to an addict. I'm telling you. <laughs> here you go. Just a little bit more. Well, goddamn you, pusher man. He's like your weed dealer that's like, I got this new stuff in. You want to try it? Yeah. First hit's free. Yeah. First one's free. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm buying records and opening them and playing with my toys and not knowing what's going on. I love sharing it, you know. When you click on Facebook, I, I a lot of my shit is people sharing links about other stuff. And I love it now because now you get to find out about all this good stuff. You mentioned Tad. He posts a lot of stuff and I've clicked his link several times. Oh, no, I agree completely. All, all tongue-in-cheek, all joking, jo joking, zoinks, joking, all joking aside, um, I appreciate you and Ted, I, I, all you guys, you know, um, we're all collectors, we support each other, and some of this stuff we wouldn't have a chance to get if it wasn't for us sharing the news, because again, like I've talked about before, anymore, this stuff comes out, and it's either super limited, or, you know, it's mass-produced, but everybody's going to buy it, so if you want to get it at a starting price, you got to move, and you got to move now. I hope that we... uh can also get support, not just sending us links, but maybe by sponsoring the show. I mean, what's odd stands out. What's even lies flat. But you can't see the outstanding without the flat background. Death Stitch Custom Clothing. 
Death Stitch Custom Clothing offers 100% handcrafted, handpicked, and painstakingly matched upcycled t-shirt flannels, bags, and more. There's the thing standing out. It's odd. Each one of you is odd. Strange, unique, particular, different. But how do we know what we mean by that? Except against the background of something even. Death Stitch Custom Clothing on Facebook. So that all we've heard from our sponsor. This week we're going to cover the horror comedy classic from 2007, Dead Silence. <laughs> this is a comedy? I don't know if it's a horror comedy classic. I don't fucking know. Isn't everything that we watch anymore? This one is definitely not a comedy. You sure? I mean, if you like you know, ventriloquists, hell, I don't know. It's not a comedy. No, it's not a comedy. It's a first time watch for me. I know Clint's seen it. I'm not sure if Jason's seen it. He'll tell us if he has. I have seen it. I didn't know I had when Clint recommended it, and then I started watching it, and I'm like, oh. And I, I of course, you. I remember the little, the little rhyme, but this time I had to really pay attention. Tiffany and my girlfriend, I was like, oh, we're going to watch Dead Silence. And she's like, oh, that movie's fucking creepy. I ain't watching that. I was like, what? She, I've, you've seen it? And she's like, yeah, I've seen it. It's about dolls. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it, she hates dolls. My son Jack hates dolls. Finley has a room full of dolls. I don't <laughs> care about dolls. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Had to rent it on Amazon, which is fine because she's always got free Amazon money sitting around expiring in a day. And I'm like, you got any money? And she's like, oh, I got $42 to watch on streaming. And I'm like, what? Why don't you tell me this? Like, I could be watching all kinds of movies. Well, don't say that. Jason's going to start Jason's gonna start sending her links to buy shit. Hell yeah. Well, it's like if you buy something on Amazon and you wait an extra day for it, they'll give you like, two or three dollars sometimes uh amazon credit to use for like digital music or movies or stuff so she had five dollars so the movie was four dollars so i was like yeah perfect and i watched the unrated version which was three minutes longer than the original i was like if i'm gonna watch it i might as well watch the one that's three minutes longer what i like about the unrated version and i don't know if it's the same streaming as it is i actually this is actually one that i i own on physical media i have the dvd the unrated <laughs> brian went what um, but so the, uh, the unrated version has all the bonus features. So it has like the behind the scenes and the interviews with the directors. And, uh, so it made researching this film pretty easy. But what was funny is, is I got in watching this and I sent Brian a message. I said, well, two pages of notes. He's like two pages. I've got no pages. And by the way, Tiffany says she hates it. And I'm like, oh no, it's going to be like Jason and I mad man. I was like, does she hate it because she doesn't think it's good or because it's too scary? He fires back and says, oh no, she's. She says it's creepy as shit. She doesn't like it, so, which I happen to agree with. I think it's a it's a creepy film. And how do you have two pages? You must have a lot of shit you want to talk about. Well, because what I did was almost always, again, I didn't really for uh, Night of the Comet when we did the full episode on that, but I'll sit down and just kind of go through Wikipedia and I'll go through Internet Movie Database and I'll just do some random searches to just find things that jump out to me as worth talking about and like, you know, standards that we always talk about, you know, like how much it costs for the, for the film to be made, et cetera. And um, so I did a page of that and then I wrote down a page while I was watching the movie again for a rewatch of just little things that I saw that I thought were worth talking about. So yeah, this might be a long episode. So when I started the movie last night, I got excited cause I didn't know I had seen it when I first started it, but then James Wan popped up. 
his name popped up there. And I am a James Wan fan. He is such a good director of like some of the modern classics horror period. I, I thought I was watching something I had never seen before, but then I realized, you know, I had watched it, you know, with the little rhyme and all that. But I mean, James Wan, of course, uh, the director of Saw, the director of Death Sentence. Have you seen Death Sentence, Brian? No. It's a movie with uh, Kevin Bacon where his son is like a hockey player and he gets killed by like a gang or something when they stop at a gas station and he gets like revenge on them. Great movie. I love, I love that movie. You should watch it. It's not quite horror, but kind of a lot of action. It's dark. Then of course the director of the director of insidious, the director of the conjuring insidious Two, conjuring Two, producer and helped write the story of the nun, uh, directed Aquaman produced Annabelle's like any of the conjuring stuff was him. And of course, recently Malignant, which I wasn't a big fan of Malignant, but I know that there are people who did like it. So, I mean, that just kind of shows his history with horror, like modern horror and how good it is. And this movie was it was pretty good. You know, the story was different. Some stuff was kind of weird about it, but... I'm on the opposite spectrum of you with James Wan. I am not a fan of most of his stuff. Wow. It looks good. It's well-directed. But the stories, he has a style, and I said that to Clint. I see a lot of Malignant in this, and that's kind of my, if you weren't a fan of Malignant, your unpopular horror opinion this year, every, that movie came out, everybody went ape shit and loved it. And I was just like, so we remade Basket Case? Basket Case 4 came out? Okay. like, And I didn't like that it played it straight for like the first four-fifths of the movie, and then it just went crazy. I love the crazy part if it would have been crazy the whole way, but it just didn't fit for me. Malignant or Dead Silence? Malignant. I'm more of a fan of Dead Silence, even though I am like, Jason loves paranormal. I don't tend to paranormal movies. I like this more than Malignant. Insidious kind of was the same way. I got like most of the way through the movie and I was a fan or enjoying it. And then it got to the end where it got all demony and stuff. And I'm just like, nah, I get the nun. I liked. Yeah. Annabelle. I liked, I've never seen the original conjuring. I don't think I've ever seen any of the conjuring movies. I've seen the nun and I've seen Annabelle, but I've not seen any of the conjuring movies. Maybe because I'm like, uh, I don't like ghosts. So I'm scared to watch it. I'd be <laughs> creeped out, but this was different than, the conjuring stuff this is more not realistic to me you know as far as like the conjuring's more supposed to be real that really happened yeah I, I sent brian a message last night and i said um i said i don't know if you're gonna like the a24 he always talks about a24 where there you know films he has to think about and kind of piece the puzzle together he's at a point now where he just doesn't want to think he wants to put on hobo with a shotgun and enjoy the carnage, which I agree with. You know what I mean? You're just the, the sleazy, trashy, you know, cheap movies, which are great. Um, well, I'm, I'm a fan of this movie, but apparently a lot of people agree with Brian because this thing was actually, and I don't understand it, but it was a box office flop. It did not perform well. And because of the, because of that, they, you know, nixed a sequel. So we're never going to see a, a sequel, but it was released, like you guys said, by James Wan on uh, March 16th, 2007. And let's see here. In the United States, as of April April 16th, 2007, the film's total domestic gross has been worth $16.8 million, 
it says the production budget was twenty million, and then I, the numbers that I'm reading here are all over the place. But long story short, the film did not perform well financially. We talk about that with other films and money talks, you know. And for whatever reason, this movie just did not connect or click with a lot of people. Yeah, I had read that it made twenty four million, like worldwide. So it made four million dollars. Hey everybody, welcome back. We had some technical difficulties here, so we're starting over again. Like Jason said, we don't we don't pay a lot for producers on this show <laughs> or engineers. So yeah, Clint, I I had read somewhere that this movie came out four to five years before it should have, like that he was ahead of his time with this movie, and this movie would have come out in like 2011, 2012. It would have been a success. Um, because movies around that time, like this movie, were a success. Just bad timing. I, Like I said, I didn't dislike the movie. It looked beautiful. Like the camera work and some of the stuff in the movie looked amazing. The acting was good. Again, I just couldn't get into the story. I think if I would have watched it with my son Jack, I would have had a blast. Because he hates dolls. And it's a movie full of fucking ventriloquist dolls. So that would have been a, a great time. <laughs> You know what? You know what's interesting is, and I've heard that before too, that people say the movie was ahead of its time. But what, what's crazy about that is, especially if you get the unrated version, go watch like the the behind the scenes making of, and they show you that his goal, James Wan's goal, and well, the whole production team's goal was to make an old fashioned horror film. Granted, they used they tried to use practical effects as much as possible. They did use some, you know, digital effects. But a lot of the stuff, you know, it was just like the creepy fog and the gothic gothic look, you know, the the blue shades and the shadows. And it was just real simple stuff. You wanted to tell an old-fashioned, simple ghost. When you put those two things together, it's oil and water. They don't mix. How is it ahead of its time when it was actually just emulating something from 80 to 50, you know, 50 to 80 years ago? And I would imagine that even though I'm not a fan of a lot of his work, he would probably be the person that... I would think was like the coolest director ever because when I see his stuff, like I told Jason with Malignant, Basket Case 4, I watched this movie. I'm like, this is like Dolls or Puppet Master. To me, those were his influences when it come to this movie. This That's what I pulled from it. Maybe it's not, but that's what I'm seeing. Like he's a guy that's watched these movies when he was younger. And he's pulling his influences in from Dolls and Basket Case 4, you know, or Basket Case with Malignant and Puppet Master for this Dead Silence. He's pulling that kind of stuff in from his childhood or when he was younger. And those are his influences, not stuff I love. Well, it's interesting because what I didn't say a second ago that I wanted to add to about him making an old school horror film was also this came out in 2007. I was very involved in the haunted house industry in 2007. Dolls and mannequins are a, a huge, they're a very integral part of the haunt industry. So again, and your, your haunt industry is right there with your, your horror movie industry. I mean, we're, we're hand in hand. So how is it ahead of its time? These things were taking place in, you know, haunted attractions across the country. So, but it's interesting you say that, you know, he took all these things. I have a theory that he has. And I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. You know me and my pronunciations, but the the fear of mannequins, which is you know auto automaton automatonophobia. Someone correct me on I like it spooky at gmail. I like it spooky pod at gmail .com if I said that wrong. Um, but it's just you know a, a fear of mannequins. 
And mannequins are a reoccurring theme throughout James Wan's films. You see him in Saw. You see him this movie, Dead Silence. You see a lot of the same things. You see he uses the same spiral shapes. He uses a lot of the same colorings. He loves the color red and always pops it in there as a contrast. He uses a lot of like faces behind the sheets and silhouettes and everything. And that was very predominant in this flick, which is one of the reasons I think it's so good is it's almost like it's based off a genuine, authentic fear that the director has. Well, and that's all stuff that just spark a little bit of fear when you watch it. If you see a mannequin under a sheet, you're going to be scared not knowing what the hell is under there. It's something innocent, but you don't know. He's played it so well. He switched it up to make it think something's going to happen. But then I think Dead Silence came at a time where it was in between some of his bigger hits. So I wonder how, I mean, it came after Saw. So Saw was a big hit, correct? Oh, it made money and everybody enjoyed it. And every year on Halloween for, I can't remember how many years, a new one came out, a new one came out, a new one came out. Now they're being remade. I don't know if it was a remake or a requel or a reboot. I haven't seen it. One that Chris Rock is involved in, Spiral. Yeah, it's it's continuing to this day. I think you walked away for a second when I mentioned the movie Death Sentence. Have you seen that? With Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. No, I have. With Kevin Bacon. That was a James Wan movie released the same year as Dead Silence. So, And then, of course, he goes into Insidious and The Conjuring a few years after that. So, I mean, he's made enough money to where... Well, apparently not on the sequel for this movie because it got nixed. They're like, no way. Move on with something different. But you have to admit, though, with this story, even if you didn't really like the movie, the fact that they bear at Mary Shaw, the only way she would kill you is if you make a noise or scream which I thought that was fun as hell. I thought that was a great part. Just because you see her and you're scared, senseless of her, if you remain quiet, you'll be okay, right? You would survive. So that's just kind of something fun with the with the story, I thought. When, when Mary Shaw's there and everything slows down and gets real quiet. And in the beginning of the movie, in the beginning of the movie, those things happen. And I think you as the viewer kind of like, all right, something's about to happen. But the, the characters are kind of like, wait, this is odd. <laughs> you know, like, and then, of course, you know, Mary Shaw is there. It's like she traveled through sound or something. I, I don't know. It was, it was a great effect. I know. I wondered that when it got dead silent with the, <laughs> with the wife. Dead silent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when it got silent with the wife, um, I was like, wait, can she hear? Or is like, can she not hear? Can we not? Hear? I was just, I was confused by the whole thing, but I know. And it, it was kind of like Mary Shaw would arrive. She, all other noises went away you were her direct audience. There were no distractions. She was here and she's like, she basically said, I have the mic and you will listen to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> so was her soul attached to the puppet then? Yeah. Because I, I think the puppet had to be there every single time that something happened. So when the puppet was there, it, it would always kind of like look and stuff. That was kind of creepy with the eyes. They talk about that towards the end of the movie. Sorry. They talk about that towards the end of the movie that she lives through the doll. So wherever there is a puppet or a doll that she, I believe that she had to have a hand in fashioning, then she could, you know, come out into the world from the spirit realm. Yeah. I kind of thought about it a little bit later on after the movie was going on for a while. I'm like, wait, have there been any kills like where the doll wasn't there? No, not that I remember. So there was like 10 minutes left and Tiffany's like, have you figured it out yet? And like, Clint always like, you won't like the A24 this. And I was like, fuck no, I ain't figured nothing out. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm just watching this movie. And then I saw 
jigsaw, the puppet jigsaw towards the end of the movie. And I'm just like, wait, did you see that? And Tiffany's like, no, I was looking at my phone. I was like, I like rewound it and fast. I was like, look, jigsaw's right there. You see him in the background. Uh And she's like, you haven't figured out the movie and you're looking at it for a fucking doll in the for in the background of the movie like that has nothing to do with it. I was like, it does have something to do with it. So if you haven't seen this film yet, near the end of the film, they uh, Mary Shaw lived in this old theater. And the theater, I've got this written down. Let's see if I can screw up the pronunciation of this. The theater is named the Gwyngol which is actually a French name or French word for puppet. And they believe that it was taken from the Grand Gwingol, which was a theater in France known for putting on horror productions in the early 1900s. But so in the story towards the end, uh, Mary Shaw performed there. She lived there. She was killed there. Now it's this decrepit old building. Our hero, the lead, who is played by Ryan Quanted or Quanted. He was also in True Blood. He goes there. Donnie Wahlberg's a cop chasing him because he thinks that Ryan, who his character's name is Jamie. Donnie Wahlberg's chased Jamie to this place because he thinks he killed his wife. And they discover all these dolls of Mary Shaw was 101. All that story, just to reaffirm what Brian said, there's a cameo of the puppet used in in Saw, you know, the Jigsaw. And actually, I guess I guess that puppet's name, the Jigsaw puppet, was named Billy. And of course, the main puppet of Mary Shaw's in this movie that you see the most of, his name is Billy also. I wonder if James Wan had a puppet named Billy when he was younger. Or his best friend was like Billy. His made-up best friend was Billy. Or his best friend's Billy. He likes the name Billy. <laughs> or he's scared to death of some guy named Billy. I've got to say, though, uh, Donnie Wahlberg's death in this movie. I know kind of spoiling it right now, but what you guys think about that? I thought that was pretty fucking epic. I tell you what, just about anything that we talk about about this movie, I'm not I'm not going to say anything negative about. I love this film. I always have. And I agree with you completely. Everything about that. And he did. You know, you figure here, here's this old guy from New Kids in the Block. This is going to suck, you know, but he actually he had some acting credits before that. He's good. He's real good. I love the character he played. and And you gave a shit when he died you're like oh no he's gonna fall oh no don't scream and he does and he gets yanked away through the curtain and yeah he's a cop tiffany watches blue bloods it's a show about new york police officers and a family of uh, police officers and he's on that and i wonder if this was like a precursor to that show i don't know when that show started but on the show he's a detective on blue blood well and he has the same last he has the same la- i can't remember what the last name is but he has the same his character has the same last name on all shows on blue blood and and uh, dead silence he was also in uh that bruce willis movie the like the i see dead people the sixth sense he was he was the mental patient like in his bathroom that ended up killing bruce willis i haven't seen that in so long it doesn't look like him he looks well maybe it does but from when i watched it, i'm like I found out that that was Donnie Wahlberg. I'm like, what? Well, check it out. Two movies that he's involved in happen to be highly regarded. Well, actually, no, I take that back because Dead Silence wasn't highly regarded. Highly regarded by me. (laughs) Great films, both with twist endings. Yeah. So his death scene, though, in the movie, they're trying to escape this place or whatever. And they're on some catwalk thing and it gets like unscrewed or something and starts to fall. And then he hangs on. Then he starts to fall and he's screaming because he's falling. But nope, here she comes, comes in, swoops him up, cuts his tongue out, and then he pops back up, what, behind the curtain or whatever it was. or And that was all practical effects. That was all cables and wires. What did you think of the funeral home director and his wife who has dementia? Or she's That was tough. I was like, ah, that poor guy. 
Well, and it goes to show his history because he was one of the young kids in the theater, like the night, like when it was showing old Mary Shaw things. And yeah, he, it was actually like under his chair, Billy was. So he had to get it and bring it up. Yeah, that was the night that set everything in motion. Henry, who is now the older funeral director, when he was a young boy, town was thriving. I think it was 1941 or it was late 30s, early 40s. And they were at the um, the theater and she was performing. And that's when the other boy screamed out and says, I can see your lips moving. And she got upset and ranted at him through the doll as almost as, as if it were like part of the stage act, but you could tell she was pissed and took it very seriously. And um, night or shortly after that is when that boy came up missing. They never found him. All the townspeople believe that she had something to do it. So they went to the theater and they murdered her. You know, they say that no one ever knew who the, who murdered her. But I think in the flashback, they show that once again, mother's helper got whipped out. The old straight razor came out again and, and cut out her tongue and then killed her. So stole her voice, the thing that was most important to her. And then that's one of the creepiest scenes. The whole movie is filled with creepy scenes. One of the creepiest scenes, though, is in that flashback you know, series that we see. Henry is a young boy. His dad owns the funeral home. Of course, he inherits it after his dad gets killed. And it's like a late at night and there's a thunderstorm and he comes out of his bedroom. He creeps in. You know, the, the mortuary was the house that they lived in. He creeps down the stairs, goes into his dad's workshop. Uh, is that what you call that? Workshop? Embalm people and goes to look up into the coffin to see Mary Shaw because he was scared to death of her, you could tell, while he was watching her perform on stage. And he's the older Henry is doing a voiceover of this of this flashback. And we discover that Mary Shaw wanted to be buried. It was in her will to be buried with all of her dolls and that she wanted to be turned into a doll herself. And when he says that, like the coffin, because he was leaning up on the coffin to see in there and it tips over and she falls in the ground and it's all pitch black. And then the lightning flashes real bright. And she is so goddamn scary. She the his father, the mortuary guy made her, you know, carved lines in her, in her face and made her look like a mannequin, like a doll. Such a good scene. That was scary as shit too. This movie influenced me a lot with the haunted house when I saw that scene. And it was after that, that I started to try to incorporate lighting schemes like that. When I ran the haunted house, there's some set design stuff like the illusion wall, which I'll, I'll get to in a little bit that I tried to incorporate. The sound design of this movie is phenomenal. The uh, orchestra music that's you know used in this is great in fact i use that on my my send-off video when when i lost the haunt we did one final video of the barn getting burned down by the townspeople and i use that the, the opening song of this movie and yeah very influential to me yeah so i don't know if i had picked up on what was going on in the movie um if i had just remembered the old times or when i first saw like the lead character's dad like after he had had the stroke and he was in the wheelchair, I was like, oh, he's really pale. He looks like a puppet, like his makeup was done and all this. I didn't catch it. I just, I seriously, maybe I had my guard down when I was watching this because usually I pick up on stuff like that. But I was just like, oh, the old man, he's sickly looking. That's, you know. Yeah. I was like, he's a little too pale. It looks fake. Like, I don't think you would look like that when you're, well, maybe you do. I don't know, but it, it looked fake to me. So I kind of picked on it pretty quick. Then I was like, oh, I'm like, maybe she was. I didn't, I don't think I put together that she was Mary Shaw, but some reincarnation of her, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, I didn't get it till the end. You know, once it did like all the flashback and it told you the story of everything that happened. And then I was like, oh, I guess I did catch. I was like that. His wife has something to do with it. I knew that, 
Like I was like, she's got to have something to do with what's going on. But I didn't catch on that like she was Mary Shaw's perfect doll and that the husband was a ventriloquist dummy. Mary Shaw was going after this whole family to get revenge for her murder. Did you guys catch towards the end of the film when it's right after we see Billy Jigsaw puppet cameo and then you see that the creepy clown puppet on the rocking chair and the same lighting effect as, as the flashback that I was just talking about where the clown rocks back into the darkness and then into the light and then pitch black and into the light. And then Mary Shaw starts speaking to Jamie through that doll. And um, he's like, why did you kill my wife? I, I forget his wife's name. Why'd you kill my wife? And she's like, I'll whisper. He's like, come closer and I'll tell you. I'll whisper it to you. And he gets closer, but they don't. I didn't. And I had the volume turned all the way up. And I've seen this movie a few times. Didn't hear what she said. Like She starts telling him something, something, something. And then, like, what did she say to him? Do you guys know? Yeah, she was she was pregnant with his kid, so he was she was killing all of the ancestors. That's what I thought because she then she said to him something along the lines of "You are now the last Ashton." I think his last name was Ashton or Ashton. I think she said "You were not the last" or something or some something, and like the baby was or something, or you were not the last. Well, that makes sense because he had this look of shock in his face like the, he didn't know. And yeah, because at the beginning of this movie, it starts with him and his wife who's still alive before the doll gets delivered and his wife gets murdered in this scary ass way. And um, he takes off to go grab some food, some Chinese takeout or something. You see her putting the pillow underneath her shirt and looking in the mirror like she's admiring what she's going to look like when she's pregnant. I don't think he knew. I don't. Yeah, he didn't know that she was pregnant. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it either. I thought she just wanted to get pregnant, like they were talking about doing it or something. I don't know, but so what do you guys think? Would so what do you guys think? I was trying to think about this last night when I was I was watching the movie. Then I would go upstairs, and it was dark in the house. And if something jumps out at you, and you kind of know what's going on, like if you know Mary Shaw was a real thing, you're walking around your house, and she jumps out, and you can't scream. Do you think you could hold it in? If you know. Like she's a, like when he was seeing his dad at the end, he knew that something was up. Like of all the times he would have screamed, that would have been the least. Right. That's what I'm saying. That would be the one you wouldn't scream because you know she's right there. Like all the other times he was, like all the other times he, to me, I felt like he would have screamed not at the end when he's been through all this shit already and he knows that his dad's a ventriloquist dummy and this girl's actually Mary Shaw's perfect doll. That would be like the least likely scream. But of course he screams and then the movie comes to an end and how do you do a sequel on it when everybody Mary Shaw needs to get vengeance on is dead? What's her new goal in life? Go after all the ventriloquists because they, you know, in Las Vegas or something because she wants her own show. I would not scream. What makes you think that? Oh, because it's, it's past experience. I can tell you, rarely do I get scared. And this isn't some macho bullshit. I'm serious. Rarely do I get scared. I've been in multiple situations <laughs> where I just, I don't react that way. But when I do, and it does happen, when I do, I, my fists immediately go up and I usually say something like, you motherfucker. Or, you know, but I'm never, and that's, it's just, there, Melissa will scare me every once in a while. She'll pop the door and I not know it. You know what I mean? And I just, oh, my fists go up and I go, oh, you got me. You know, you got me when my fists went up. You almost got socked in the face, you know? It's just a natural reaction. I was at a walkthrough outdoor haunted house one time. And uh, again, owning a haunt, being involved in a haunt, it's really hard for a haunted house to, to scare me. This kid jumped out from behind a tree and got me. And I jumped, same thing. And I threw my fist up. Just that was my natural reaction. He's like, oh, my God, don't hit me. Don't hit me. And I'm like, oh, dude, 
I'm sorry, you did a really good job, you know, kudos to you. So yeah, I, I don't think I've ever screamed in terror in my life. I wonder if even saying something was enough. It said, don't scream. But what if you were like, what if she jumped out and I was like, oh, motherfucker, is that enough to lose my tongue? Or I mean, if you make any noise, so. I don't know, I was kind of thinking that when I was going upstairs and I was like, oh, I wonder if something's going to like jump out at me. And like right then I'm on high guard. So I'm like, my eyes are really wide open. But then you have like 20 minutes later when you're finally relaxed and you're just you know, kind of sitting there. And if something jumps out at you, then. So you're telling. I have a feeling she would take my tongue. You're telling me my whole parallel universe Silent Bob thing where I talk a whole lot is actually going to fucking kill me someday. Probably so. And if I lived in Raven's Fair. Which is so basically, if I go to if I go to Canada <laughs> where this movie was shot in British Columbia, that's at least I know what to expect. Now everybody's going to test you. <laughs> everybody's going to fucking jump out at you. <laughs> but guys, do it from a safe distance. How long is your reach, Clint? About three foot. Stay three foot back. You know you'll be all right. <laughs> you just start recording this. Just I'm gonna take my camera every time and jump out and get them. Well, Clint has now vowed to be quiet for the entire time. He'll be safe for Mary Shaw. So that's the last we've heard of him. So, Clint, you know, tell me, would you like my Maximum Overdrive poster? You gotta, t- you gotta tell me. I'm blind. Wait, I got my glasses are gone. <laughs> I, I, I can't read. He says, "Sorry for your loss, audience." And yes, he does want it, but I didn't see that last part. So, sorry, guys. So now this is the I Like It Spooky podcast with Brian, Jason, and Clint awkwardly sitting there silent clint there we go <laughs> his minute and a half silence is over oh i do i'm not even i'm not even we're probably about halfway halfway through hey speaking about the tongue thing that was really cool i thought and that was about three quarters of the way through the movie when you uh, it's when she finally killed henry who was again the uh the uh caretaker the, the funeral home guy and that's the first time where you really got to see how she because when she killed you, she took your voice. Your voice is now mine, she says. And yeah, she had this big crate. And that wasn't digital effects either. I don't think if it was, it was mixed. Because I saw behind the scenes stuff with practical effects. This big, crazy, demon-looking forked, multiple forked snake tongue. And she would like stick that in your mouth and rip out your tongue and rip your face wide open. Then she would take that tongue and stick it through the dowels from the back of their heads. And it would that's how she would speak through the dowels. I don't know. It was really cool adding that little layer of visually flesh and blood seeing how she did this stuff. Yeah, so that was all the tongues that she had stolen over time from other people rebellion onto her tongue i thought she was an alien like halfway through it i was like is she an alien is that what it is because the tongue you know like i was like she's an alien tiffany's like no that's not it i'm like no but i think she's an alien it's like damn it i want her to be an alien is it brian's time to take a vow of silence yes it is <laughs> no I'm, I'm just messing with you no i could i could see that jokes aside yeah it had this really crazy funky look to it didn't it, it was slimy and forked tongued and the way it slithered around. All right, what else is in your notes? Do you want me just to go through them? Because I'm kind of scattered here. All right, so. Give us something to talk about. I um I noticed, so James Wan in a lot of his films, he relies heavily on, on the coloring of his films. And of course, if you watch this film, everything's in this very blue, gray, dark, shadowy, gothic tone. People, the places, except for a few things. He loves the color red. He uses them in, in a you know, as spot colors in a lot of his movies. But there were some specifics in this movie that the red really jumped out at me, and that was the rose that he brought home to give to his wife. 
um, you know, he didn't know she was murdered yet. It was a very vibrant red. His car, which was this badass muscle car, it was like a Chevelle or something, was a very, very vibrant red. Billy's, the puppet, the main puppet, his tie around his neck was a vibrant red. And then there was a lot of red in the theater, specifically with curtains covering the 101 dolls, with the sheet that was over the clown puppet that him and Donnie Wahlberg pulled off when Mary Shaw spoke through it. And for all, I've watched this movie a few times and I'm like, there's got to be a significance to that. What is it? What is it? What is it? It hit me last night. I could be dead wrong. But my theory is, is that the red in the movie signified life. The The flower is very beautiful. The flower was life. You know what I mean? Uh, a sign of love. His car, he was the main character who was alive and in the chase trying to figure out his, his wife's, find his wife's murderer. But the one that really, I was like, I bet you it's something with life is Billy's tie right around his throat is red. And I'm like, red, life. Mary Shaw lives through everybody's voices. She's a ventriloquist. She can throw her voice. So anyway, I could be dead wrong, and I'm probably looking way too freaking deep into it. I'd like to actually meet James Wan someday and ask him. That's number one. So are you saying this is a story about life and love? And a poor lady who just loved her dolls so much and her livelihood was taken away from her by these evil town folks. And she just needed to get revenge. Really just wanted to be loved. This is another horror comedy love story, <laughs> minus the comedy. Um, but we'll go with the love story. Yeah, I think so. You got to agree whether I'm right or wrong. Those The coloring has, has some sort of significance. It just jumps out, you know, very vibrant reds. Well, that leads me back to wanting to spend time with James Wan because a lot of the old Italian 70s giallo films have that vibrant red or blue or purple color that plays into the movie that is almost another character in the movie. And that's stuff I love to watch also. One of the director's names that came up that influenced him that he was trying to throw a nod to in this was Mario Bava. What, the colors, you mean? Yeah, yeah, how they... Or just in general. No, I think just in general, somebody that had influenced him in his career and his directing style was Mario Bava, but he's one of those directors that uses those colors as almost another character in his movies and the shadows and the lighting. I'm not smart enough to look into it that deeply. Yeah, I got I got I got pretty philosophical last night. I think it helps when you've seen the movie before that you're not trying to figure it out. You can pay more attention to other stuff. That, that was actually um, one of my points in this film as I wrote down here that, to me, this is a fun first watch because you don't know what's going on. And maybe you're smarter than me and you knew the twist before it was coming. I didn't see it till the end the first time I saw it. It got me hook, line, and sinker. But it's also a fun film when you continued watching because there's so many layers you can look for the tells. Things like I'm talking about right now. And again, I could be dead wrong. I'm just, I'm kind of exploring. The film has engaged me enough to where I want to watch it again. And, and see if I can figure out some of these things that he was trying to tell us through the whole movie. Like another point that I noticed, something I noticed was, again, everybody was kind of this blue, gray, dark, shadowy, gothic color. The Billy puppet, he had that same coloring. It almost looked like like dead skin. And then I was like, you know, he his coloring and his look resembled Jamie's father. I think it was a tell right off the bat, watching it again now two, three times. That was... James Wan saying, guess what? You know, Jamie's dad's a, a puppet. They, they, they had this bow tie. They had the same hair. They had the same color skin. It was all the same. 
That's kind of funny how they had a stick in his back and his back was cut out and hollow and the wife was just feeding him soup. It was going down the tube into a little bucket. It looked like uh it looked like Reagan vomit from the Exorcist. Looked like spinach best to me. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I mean we're we're talking about a bunch of great stuff about this film. But for whatever reason, it was a flop, and we bring up I well, we've been bringing up all of us Rotten Tomatoes a lot recently in, the, in these episodes. Rotten Tomatoes, this film has a rating of twenty one percent, and the average rating is four out of ten. Yeah, you know, we try to engage the audience. I think any show or anybody tries to engage their audience, but I really would love to hear from people listening to this episode. Send a message on our on our socials. Send an email to I like a spooky pot at gmail dot com. I want to know what you think about this film. And if you got the time, tell me why you feel the way you do about this film. Cause I don't, I really don't understand sincerely how it did not do better. And it seems to be so hated. It's a great film. It's paced great. Like Brian said, it's acted well. Visual effects are good. It's a, a great story. It's spooky. It's gory. It's fun. You can watch it over and over and over. Why do people hate this film so much? Yeah, I feel it was better than a 4 out of 10. You'll find out pretty soon, but yeah, it's it deserves more than that. I mean, just James Wan alone. I am shivering with anticipation. <laughs> so this is better than Maximum Overdrive? Because that was like a 15%. So this is 6% better than Maximum Overdrive? According to Rotten Tomatoes. Like you said, those damn tomato people. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That probably has like a 75%. Right, exactly. No, that one doesn't, but part two does. (laughs) I got one question. I don't know. Maybe you guys know the answer to this. Melissa actually asked me this. She watched this with me last night. At the very end of the movie, you find out the twist. Mary Shaw's perfect doll is Jamie's quote-unquote stepmother, who's been puppeteering his father. He figures it out at the very end. Mary Shaw's spirit comes out of the perfect doll's face, kills Jamie, fade to black, and then you go in because whenever she... Because Mary Shaw over the years have been killing people in the town and ripping out their tongues, and then they would all be propped up and taking a family photo taken of them. And of course, their mouths are all ripped open in fear and their eyes are all covered over. So anyway, they fade to black, they go to those pictures, and it's a family portrait of Jamie, deceased wife, Henry was in there. Basically, everybody who was killed in this film that we see in in current time. Everybody looked like a doll in the picture. Henry did. Jamie did. Jamie's wife did. Jamie's father didn't. And neither did the perfect doll or Mary Shaw. And Mary Shaw makes sense why she didn't look like a doll, but why not? So Melissa's like, how come his dad doesn't look like a doll in the picture? How come Mary Shaw doesn't? I said, I don't know. I didn't understand the significance of that. I don't either. I can just assume that his dad was turned into a real life doll. I I, don't, I really don't know. Well, I almost wonder if she's the perfect doll. She wouldn't look like a doll. She'd look like a person because you'd want her to look like a real person. If she's the perfect ventriloquist dummy, she wouldn't look like a dummy. She'd look like a perfect version or a perfect person. I don't know the dad and I didn't get that was a question I had about like the guy. How did everybody else looked old fashioned in the pictures that had been killed? But for some reason, the dad and how long had he been like that? Had he been like that for, you know, when Jamie left when he was 17 or 18 was like right after that she made him that way. It could be because, they, you know, they, they touch on that Jamie and his father um, 
they're estranged because Jamie's father, when he was alive, it sounds like he was in a, it sounded like he was an abusive man, at least to uh, his first wife, Jamie's mother, and made her kill herself. And then he was to his second wife also, Jamie's first stepdad. You don't know if it's true or not because it was the voice of Mary Shaw through his dad as a puppet saying he sent him away to get away from Mary Shaw. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. And I almost wonder if the funeral director wasn't kind of working with Mary Shaw, you know, like was fearful enough of Mary Shaw. And Mary Shaw was like, if you pose these people and you do this for me, I won't get vengeance on you. Because how did he live so long? You know, like, how was he allowed to go so long without being having Mary Shaw come after him? Maybe she had in the past. She just never got it. It's possible. Well, she was after the family. Yeah, because they questioned her or the great granddad questioned her. They killed her. Yeah, they cut her tongue out and she was going for vengeance. I, li- I like what Jason said. And Oh, yeah. Actually, here. Uh, well, first of all, I like what Jason said is maybe it's because they didn't look like dolls at the end because they already were quote unquote dolls. So that's why they didn't look like dolls in the photo. It was like a, a role reversal. But second of all, yeah, I didn't even think about that until you just said it. All these people in the town were killed, but she was only going after the family. Well, it wasn't just the family that killed her back in the 40s. There were other people there to help them. So, yeah, she, was, she wasn't just going after the Ashens. She was going after the Smiths, the Underwoods, the Godsills, and the Tacys, and taking everybody out. Well, and maybe she just finally got to that family. She's been busy. Tongue collecting takes time. All right, what else you got, Clint? Any other notes we got to talk about? But Pretty much wrapping it up. Uh, you know, I'm actually curious to hear what you guys, how you want to rate this movie. Oh, well, I'll start. Um, when I watched it last night, I kind of, like I said, some of the kills were cool. I liked the story. I wanted to give it just like a five out of 10, but I think I'm going to bump it up. Six out of 10, pretty good. Middle of the road. Nothing super fantastic about it. I mean, it, I, I'll probably watch it again. We're all just staring at him because for whatever reason, he's like, it's like he feels like he's under a microscope right now. Like, why are they just staring at me all quietly? Brian, what do you think? How do you rate this? I'm going to give it a six out of 10 also. Um, I think if I would have watched it with my son, Jack, it would probably be like a seven or eight just because I know how much he hates dolls and I would have been paying more attention to how he was reacting to the movie. I will watch it again. It's something I'm definitely going to put on the next time. We have a movie night. I'm going to be like, Jack, let's watch Dead Silence. And I'm just going to put it on. I'm just going to play it. Watch the trailer or like even look at the poster or, you know, pull. I'm just going to pull it up on Amazon and have it ready to go and put it on and watch his reaction. So that'll probably, that would probably bump it up, enjoy it more and have more fun with it. Six, like I said, it looks pretty. It's well acted. There was some really cool special effects and really cool. Like when the car was going into town. You like see the map of the town or like the painting, you know, welcome to rape. And then you see the car like going on the painting in the town. That was really cool. But yeah, six out of 10. Who you calling a dummy? Dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Why did I go last? I can't follow that. So I'm going to rate it higher than you guys. Um, I've always loved this film. It influenced it influenced some production ideas and even some story ideas for The Haunted House for me when that was up and running. I thought it was scary. I thought it was a creepy flick. And like I say, it was a fun first watch, and it actually gave me that that creepy, eerie feeling afterwards, which it's not many films do that. And then it's been continued to be fun to go through and analyze and watch. I am, though, glad that it didn't get a sequel. 
because I personally feel that if it did get a sequel, it would have watered down what has been presented to us. I'm not a huge James Wan fan. I like Insidious. I like all that stuff. I was never really a big Saw or Spiral fan or anything, but I thought that he really, really hit this one out of the park. And so I'm going to go with nine snotty heckling kids out of 10. Damn. It's a great flick. And again, I I love old school, simple. I love the original House in Haunted Hill and just those old black and white 50s and 60s horror films. And it was just the fog was a character. It was, you know, that's what put the just the simple things. And um, yeah, creepy ass flick, nine out of 10. And people, teach your kids not to be hecklers. Take care of your snotty ass kids. Nine out of 10. What? So according to sixes and a nine. Hell, I don't, I'm not good at math. 21, so a seven. That's not bad. Blackjack! Now that we've talked about everything, all of Clint's notes, we do have a question from a listener. So we have... We skipped some of the notes. Go ahead, <laughs> what's the question? Look for a bonus episode on Dead Silence. Coming to Clint. <laughs> so we have a question from uh, Brian Hoover. Fan of the show, awesome. Seems like a really nice guy. He asks, if you could get an autograph in the horror genre... Living or dead, actor or actress, who would it be? Who wants to go first? I think I know Jason's. Oh, Clint wants to go first. He ooh, raised ooh, his me, hand. Me, ooh, ooh, me. Vincent Price. I would have loved to met Vincent Price. I'd love to have Vincent Price's autograph and not just, you, he might have him out there. You might be able to find him. I don't want to buy Vincent Price's autograph off the internet. And the main reason was, why, why don't you want to buy it? You, you wanted to meet him and stuff and do all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, a celebrity or uh, someone who was influential and in not just the genre that we love, but I mean, in so many, I mean, he was a, a diplomat and a cook and, you know, he had his own cooking show and he was, uh, there's an art studio. You know, I think it is daughter carries on in his name. But one of the reasons I love him the most was, I believe was the segue for modern mainstream horror he was the guy who took it from the universal monsters and then bridged it over into what we know today and if you think about it i could name classics i could name sleazeball 80s movies i could name tim burton art artsy movies i could name all kinds of stuff that vincent price like scooby-doo there's all these levels of the horror genre that he was involved in very important influential person not gonna argue that at all I mean, iconic, I mean, character person. I mean, it's, you know, like he, he kind of stands out as himself as an iconic character, but he, he was very real. Melissa got me his cookbook years ago and I still haven't cooked anything from there because I'm a halfway decent <laughs> cook, but I look at it and it's all a bunch of stuff. He was a really great cook because I don't know, there's nothing in there about flipping a burger on a grill. It's things <laughs> that I don't even know where to find the ingredients to. What about you, Jason? So I have two things that come to mind, and I'm going to name them both, but I will narrow it down. Uh, Donald Pleasance, of course, who played Dr. Samuel Loomis in Halloween. I, I keep looking for his autograph online. I don't mind buying it online because I know, of course, I'm never going to meet him and get it in person, you know. And a few years ago, I did find one online, several of them, and I was like, there was one I really liked. It was an encased, like, index card but it was authenticated and slabbed by Beckett. And I'm like, it was 250 bucks. I think I've, I think we've talked about this before and I di didn't buy it and I'm super kicking myself for it. 
kind of sad about that. I wish I would have done it because I was thinking it was 250 and I was like, man, if it was only 200 bucks, that would be great. You know, and I, I watched it and then I never, they, they didn't have an option to make an offer, but I was hoping that they would send me an offer because if you watch something, but nope, never did. And it's sold and it's gone and it's everything you find online now is super expensive. But honestly, I would have to go with uh, Boris Karloff. Like if I had the option, like if you put two of them right there in front of me, which one do you want? Uh, Karloff is iconic. Frankenstein, one of my all-time favorite movies. One of the greatest characters ever. Iconic. I, I would love to have his autograph. From Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas to Frankenstein to a lot of the loves in my life. You know, that would be it. Plus, it's harder to find. I'm really glad that you you brought up the the How the Grinch Stole Christmas too, because he he would he was my second pick, and it was really hard to choose to be honest with you. Um, and again, he was another person who was so involved cross formats. You know what I mean? It wasn't just Frankenstein, like you say, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He did comedy shows and variety shows, and then a Brian Hoover, Brian Hoover, who asked this question, actually introduced me to an old radio horror program from the 30s was a 32 to 41 or 36 to 41 called lights out based out of chicago which i fucking love and um boris karloff um did a lot of guest reading i guess you want to say or whatever you know acting on that radio program he's he's done it all good choice what about you brian what do you got well i put a lot of thought into what this would be like getting this autograph and i was like well i know jason's gonna say donald pleasant's I've been to conventions with Halloween people and the line would be out the fucking door around the corner and you'd get maybe five seconds with the guy and you'd get an autograph and the same for Vincent Price and Boris Karloff. You'd get like five seconds. You probably couldn't take a picture at their table, you know, like you'd have to buy a $250 photo op. So I was like, but if it's like, okay, you get to get an autograph, but you get to have lunch with them. Then I would be like, okay, I would take somebody like Vincent Price or Bar- Boris Karloff or Donald Pleasance. But I was thinking, like, if I'm going to a convention and I get to meet this guy, it's just a regular convention or this female, and I get an autograph and I get a, probably a picture with him. I went with Mark Venturini, I think is how you say his last name, from Return of Living Dead. He passed. He passed very young. I have a poster. I'll never get his autograph on it. He's also in, you know, my favorite Friday Thirteenth for a short time. Um, Friday Thirteenth Part Five. He kills the kid that tries to give him the Snickers bar or the candy bar at the beginning. And we just had Clue Gallagher pass away, so I'll never get his autograph. He'd be another one. But my thought was, if he was still alive, unless he went on to did like some crazy stuff, he would be somebody that I could go to his table. I could probably throw down 40 bucks. I could put my poster in. He'd sign it. You know, this isn't a fucking costume. This is a way of life. I'd get a picture with him. I'd get to shoot the shit with him for a little bit, probably. It would be one of those experiences where I was, I'd be very happy with the 40 bucks I spent. You know, it wouldn't be a $150 autograph that I got five seconds with the guy. You know what I mean? So that's why I picked him. Plus, he's in two of my favorite movies. Well, and you, you hear co-stars from movies that he's been in talk about how he was genuinely a really, really, really nice guy, which most people aren't going to speak ill of the dead. But let's face it, if the guy was a complete jerk, then not many people are going to step up and continually talk about how, how much of a great person he was. You know, I recently saw a video from him. It was early 80s. It was pre-Return of the Living Dead. 
and he was a contestant on The Price is Right. And he's up there spinning the wheel or bidding on how much the Ajax soap is or whatever. I don't know. But he was busting Bob Barker's balls real lightly, just kind of razzing him. You know, it was funny to watch it. Yeah, that would be a cool guy to meet, though. I would love to meet him, too. Of course, Return of the Living Dead. Such a great character. But, yep, no longer with us. That's sad. Brian Hoover, thank you for the great questions. And no pressure. No pressure at all. I don't know if you guys know this. I've talked about it a little bit. Um, I know Brian a little bit. I met him at a convention earlier this year in March. He's going to be hitting the start. He's going to break his cherry there for the uh, convention circuit this coming March 2023 at Motor City Legacy in Michigan here. And he's a traditional artist, and he does these really cool paintings. So, again, Brian Hoover, no pressure. But if you want to, you know, personalize a painting of each of the people we picked and then, you know, give them to us for I mean, Jason will buy it, and then uh, no, Jason, Jason, will, <laughs> Jason will send me the link, and I'll buy them, and then they'll go. Well, Clint, you know, you guys are both from Michigan, but anyway, no pressure. But if you want to do that, completely awesome. It would be well accepted. Yeah, great question. I love that. I love talking about you know mixing the autographs and these classic people. So if you guys have a question, send it over to us. Uh, I like a spooky horror podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Or send us an email. I like a spooky pod at gmail.com. And don't be a dummy, dummy, and check out the PFPN, our podcast network. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Now that we've heard from our podcast network, um, what do you guys got going on? Or wait, what are we up to? What are we up to? Like, that's it. You know what it sounds? I'll tell you. I tell you what we're up to. Since we didn't cover a horror comedy classic, we are putting the comedy in this episode. Hearstfest. That's what I got going on. A week after this episode comes out, September seventeenth, which is a Saturday, I will be at Hearstfest in Fowlerville, Michigan. One day event, first time ever being there. Excuse me, I've talked about it a little bit before. Um, I'm able to go because Midwest Monster Fest, you know, I had to postpone until next year. Hearst Fest used to be run out of Hell, Michigan, a little town north of me. Now it's at the Fowlerville Fairgrounds, tons of hearses, cool vendors, horror stuff. I will be there with inkmirrors.com, slinging t shirts, slinging candles, buttons, decals, and did you guys know? that I've been working on a new toy slash collectible line. Yes, that's true. For the low price of $20, you can get... Wow, I went in full salesman mode. That was crazy. I couldn't even keep it going. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be there just you know pushing some merchandise. I've been working on starting a small kind of bootleg toy collectible line to add to Ink Mirrors. And um, that's what I'll be doing, and I'll be gearing up for that. Halloween of Palooza, and then Scarefest in Kentucky. What about you, Jason? Got anything going on? I'm putting, uh, about that time, I'll be putting my fi- finishing touches on all my Halloween decorations around here. I don't have anything going on, like, con-wise or anything like that, but 
I'm trying to, I'm getting excited for spooky season. I want to get my house decorated. And when this episode airs, I'll be a couple weeks away from, you know, doing that. So I'll be getting my, getting my plans together, figuring it all out. I always make plans, but then it kind of goes to shit once I start doing it. And I'm like, fuck it, put that there, put that there. And my Home Depot right now still doesn't have shit out, like as of recording right now. So I really want to go buy some more cool stuff, even though my wife says no. But then yesterday we went and I took her with me and I'm like, ooh, I'm like, maybe I could talk her into it. Nothing, nothing out yet. So, you know, if she's with me. If she's with me, maybe I can talk her into it, but otherwise I wouldn't dare spend more money on expensive decorations. I will buy some. But. I have watched you wheel and deal. If anybody is a smooth criminal when it comes to getting what you want and money, it is you. You have the power, sir. You have it. But let me tell you, the event, the, the one-day event that I left to come home to what, before we started recording this episode right now, they had the witch. I, have, I haven't seen the witch in person. I've been... Uh, Tanya can get mad at me if she wants. I'm sorry, Tanya. I need to tell you this, Jason. The witch was badass. Oh my God, in person, that witch was badass. And it was daylight. I didn't even see it in the dark. So it's going to be even cooler at night. So I want that. And I want the bartender guy, like the new animatronic bartender guy. Because out in my little party room, I want to just have him up year round over by the bar. I have a really good idea for a con- uh, like a continued bonus episode. And it's going to be called "What Tanya Let Jason Buy." Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be buttering her up, and hopefully, you know, I'll get something else here. <laughs> All right, Brian, what do you got going on? It's got going. It sounds to me like what Brian's got going on is making a spare room for Jason. So we'll be just be uh, finishing up the Out of the Darkness walk. Will be the day before this episode drops, so we'll be doing that. I'm supporting the podcast, supporting uh, the mutant family. You know, walking for a good cause. And then we will have Halloween Palooza coming up. We will be doing our first live show there. That news will be on the internet by the time this drops. So go over to Halloween Palooza on Facebook. Check it out. The Spooky Boys will be doing a live podcast episode there at Halloween Palooza. Um, we'll be there all weekend. Um, and then uh, the Spooky Boys are going to join the toy circuit, it sounds like. Our friends over at Cracktastic Plastic put on a toy show three times a year at the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa. And we will be joining them in November, having some toys, promoting the podcast, slinging some Ink Mares merchandise. So we'll be doing that three times a year. Gives me a reason to go to a time one, hang out with podcast family and friends and buy stuff and maybe take little miss with me. But uh, look forward to that three times a year. We'll be joining the toy circuit and might bring some toys into the podcast. I guess I have toys. I have the Godzilla toys. So yeah, nothing. Got some other exciting stuff. Uh, have a meeting September 16th. So after the week after this drops uh, with the local theater here. So look forward to that news. I'll be putting that on the socials um something fun coming with them hopefully nothing really judging a film festival <laughs> possibly judging a costume contest yeah nothing i got nothing with 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 the walk how you doing on your on your uh, goal have you reached it have you surpassed it what's going on yeah i've reached it i i'm at 170 dollars right now so i'm hoping to Hoping to get to 200. So I'm, I think I've said it in the past. I work for a very generous doctor. She will write me a check for several hundred dollars that I will put towards the walk. My next one will be jumping in the cold ass lake in February will be the next thing that I do. So polar plunge time after this one, but that's not for a couple of, you know, months. 
Can I be a part of the polar plunge, but remotely? Obviously, we live like six hours apart from each other. I think it is or some. Can I like record myself jumping at the same time and jump on your team? I'm sure we could figure it out. Last year, because of COVID, everybody, not last year, but the year before, because of COVID, everybody had to like plunge from home. So we just put like Finley's baby pool out, filled it with water, and then poured buckets of water over each other. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like we're all pretty busy. Well, it sounds like Brian's pretty busy. It sounds like Brian and I are pretty busy. It sounds like, uh, what did you have going on, Jason? House hunting. Yeah. Apartment hunting. That's what it is. He's he's going to work harder at trying to talk his wife into buying more stuff than we are going to work in general. If I buy shit without her permission, I might be newly single. Who knows? No, she loves me too much. So, uh, the cute little way, the cute little way you like nodded your head <laughs> down and played with your finger when you said that was classic. Oh, <laughs> God. That was that was a beautiful thing. It's it's about time that we put some silence, some dead silence of the show, don't you think? But don't forget to check us out on our socials. I like it spooky horror podcast on Instagram, Facebook, I like it underscore spooky on Twitter. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Check out the other shows on the PFPN. Hope you guys have a good week. Bye. Hey Clint, Mary Shaw's behind you. Where the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure you never, ever scream. <laughs>